Hey everybody, Mike here, Andy here. It is a beautiful 95 degree day. Oh yeah, in winter, El Nino. Um, I showed up in my board shorts. Whoa, El Nino has underwhelmed. Let let us just say, let us just say. Hopefully, um, the the mountains and the snow cap and all of that stays intact. But um, my goodness, I I I will now not wear anything but boxer shorts for the next several days because it is so hot. Um, also, want to let you know that um, uh, besides besides the fact that it is incredibly warm out, um, my wife is hot too, and I just want to make that public announcement. So we're grateful. Uh, that you are tuning in with us. Uh, Andy told me I can't chew gum anymore because <laughs> I was chomping on it. So no gum for me today. Out. Um, what what I want to do, Andy, is I want to talk a little bit about faith and doubt today. Doubt it. And yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, and um, I, I want to talk a little bit about about it because um, I, I want to try to, and this may take a couple of podcasts, but we'll see how far we get today. It's a little teachy, Andy. A little teachy. I've been a little teachy lately, um, but but I've been thinking a lot about uh, what it means to have faith and how little it is, at least that I had initially understood what faith was and represented when I first came to the following Jesus. Um, that I, I want to spend just a little time on what faith and doubt is, because it, as it turns out, the scriptures you, doubt there there is a kind of stubborn like um, hiding behind my doubts kind of doubt that, that yes, the Bible condemns. But then there's the v- very genuine, honest, like I don't know how to put this together kind of doubt that the scripture does not condemn at all. In fact, it gives us words to use in those moments. So, so what I want to do is I want to spend a little time kind of uh, showing the problem. And then I want to talk about what faith is not. And then I want to talk a little bit about what faith is. And then, and then we'll see how far we get and see if this is actually helpful. It's not Coors Light, uh, but I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe there we've got some folks out there um, who uh, genuinely believe that doubting is uh, uh, always a bad thing. And no, we just want to say no. There's plenty of room for that in the journey of Jesus. So uh, first, we want to start off with um, with some scriptures that really seem to call into question the idea of doubting and put forth the idea that uh, believing is the most important thing in, uh, in the Christian life. So you've got James uh, chapter 1, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Those who doubt should not think they will receive anything from God. Seems pretty straightforward. Matthew 9, Jesus says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. So however much faith you have, evidently, is kind of what you get back. Uh, Mark 9, uh, Lord, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Uh, Matthew 22, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer, which I ask for lots of things I don't get. So oh, yeah, I, must not, I must not believe. Uh, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll say to that mountain, be thrown into the sea. And so you have, on the one hand, you have a whole bunch of passages that talk about, wow, it certainly sounds like uh, faith slash belief is unbelievably critical in the Christian life. So much so that what you receive in prayer is based on how much 
faith slash trust you actually have. And that doubt would be in those situations, the opposite uh, of those things. Uh, but then, then you have another whole group of passages that, that seem to either acknowledge the reality of doubt or bless the expression of it, the honest expression of doubt. So you, you've got um, at the end of Matthew, it's, it's a beautiful passage where Jesus has risen from the dead. He has taught his disciples for 40 days. He's now going to ascend into the realm called the heavens. And, uh, and Matthew just opens up this encounter by saying, and they had gathered uh, on the hill, all the disciples were there, but some doubted, but some doubted. I absolutely love that. And, and, and Jesus doesn't rebuke them for, for their doubts. He just commissions them. Even the doubters he commissioned. I find that beautiful. Or Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas is how he's known. Thomas, I will not believe unless I see. And Jesus shows him so that he does see and then believe. And then says, but blessed are those who don't see like you've seen and believe anyway. Right. And, and so he doesn't condemn Thomas's quest for, I actually don't want to take your word for it. I actually want to see for myself while still acknowledging that for the vast majority of us who follow Jesus, we don't see in the same way. Or you have books in the Old Testament like Lamentations or Habakkuk, which, you know, of course, is one of our all-time favorites, or Jeremiah, um, where the, 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 or, or the Psalms in particular, where there are so much lament. God, where are you? Why are you distant? Why aren't you answering? Why don't you listen? Uh, why don't you act? I mean, it seems like it would be in your best interest to rescue your people, and yet you don't. Why have you turned your back on us? And, and, and many of these uh, psalms, poems, stories relate in words that are powerful. This, these questions, these doubts that people were having. You have John the Baptist saying, "Well, are you the one who is to come?" Um, and, and so, so there seems to be two threads. On the one hand, you have this this thread that really seems to back a lot of um, Christian teaching in some circles that says, "Listen, name it and claim it, baby." Um, if you don't receive it, it's because you have not believed it. And because you, you haven't believed it, you've not been healed or you've not been made rich or whatever. But then on the other hand, you have all of this. You have examples, you have psalms, you have prophecies, poems, questions that, that seem to make room for doubt, lament, uh, frustration with God, disappointment with God. So how do you put these two things together? So that's the big question for us because... So much of the Christian life and so much of the non-Christian life turns out to be lived by faith. Faith in the scriptures isn't a religious thing. It's a human thing. And so we want to talk first about what faith is not, because this is where a lot of the confusion comes in. And then we'll talk really quickly about what faith is. Now, interrupt me or, you know, keep me going or disagree or doubt or whatever, uh, Andy. So three things. And we're going to spend some time on these. And I want to make sure they're really, really, really clear. Three things that faith is not in the Bible. All right. First thing is that uh, faith is not psychological certainty. Okay. So faith in the Bible doesn't mean that you are absolutely sure intellectually, mentally of everything that you believe. So we think, we think that my faith is as strong as I am certain it's true. 
All right. Does that make sense? Yes. Does that definition make sense? And, 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 and this, this definition of faith comes from the idea that the primary exercise of Christian discipleship is to believe the right things. That following Jesus means, first and foremost, you believe certain things. And in your believing of them, you're supposed to grow more and more certain of them so that faith becomes an expression of the strength of your certainty in the beliefs you say that you have. Sure. Make sense? Yes. So... When Jesus says, according to your faith, let it be done to you, on this way of understanding faith, the more certain you are that God will do things, the more you'll see God do those things. Or, Lord, I believe, help me overcome my belief, can be translated into, Lord, I can only hit a, a, a small measure of faith. Could you please supply the rest that's needed? It, it's like Greg Boyd, um, who wrote a book called The Benefit of the Doubt, which is a which is a really, really interesting provocative book on this uses the image of like at the fair you have a big sledgehammer that you slam on this sort of bell-shaped thing sledgehammer oh boy said peter gabriel (laughs) and so so and then there's this red meter that moves up this big tall like uh like display showing you how hard you hit the thing right and so uh, so, so Boyd uses this as kind of an image to say, well, how high does that thing have to get before it actually counts as faith uh, in something? And, and one of the real problems of this view that faith is just psychological certainty is um, how certain do you end up having to be before you have faith? Is it 95% certain? Is it 51% certain? Is it 100% certain? Because if faith is psychological certainty, then the opposite of faith is doubt, right? Because doubt means I'm not certain psychologically about these things. And so uh, in, in a Christian culture that emphasizes rearranging my mental believing, my mental furniture, to make sure that I believe the right things that everyone says orthodoxy consists of, Faith is then just an expression of how certain I am about that, and so um, and, and and so so like when 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 Jesus says, um, "For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that who whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life." What does it mean to believe? Well, in this case, it means to be psychologically certain about certain truths regarding Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the second member of the Trinity. Jesus died for our sins. Um, and, 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 and faith in this way is often presented as a whole package deal, meaning whatever package, however big that package of believing has to be, they're all needed. So it's impossible under this view of faith to have a question about the Trinity and still believe in Jesus according to this view, right? Because the whole thing is an all or nothing thing. And so, so what people will do will be take like really secondary issues like how old is the earth? And for some people, they'll say, nope, you've got to believe that it's a young earth created in, in six literal days, only around 6,000 years. And this is actually part of the total package you have to believe. And, and so this view of faith is psychological certainty where you, you're trying to convince yourself. So when you're praying for someone who's sick, and, and you hear these verses saying, well, if, any, you know, if, if this person will be healed, if you have enough faith, then you just spend all your time trying to convince yourself that you have faith. Um, am I making sense so far? No, no, it's making sense. No, it's making sense. Um, so yes, it is making yes, sense. Yes, it is making sense. I'm doubting 
doubting you, Andy. doubting my answer right now. <laughs> um, so, so faith in the Bible is not intellectual certainty. Okay, it's not this, and 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 hallelujah, it's not this. Um, does it include? Doesn't doesn't Hebrews say faith is being certain of what we hope for? Um, it's the substance of things I've seen of being certain of what we hope for and so on. And, and, and yes, but, but certain here, certain has a, a totally different nuance than what it means in English. And we'll get to that in a second. All right. But faith does not mean never having doubts in the Bible. That's the point. Faith also, uh, in the Bible does not equal my profession of faith. Now think about this for a second. In, in uh, American Christianity, we take a profession of faith to actually mean that a person has faith. Okay, so I can say I believe in the virgin birth. And that will be taken to mean I mentally agree with the idea that Jesus was born of a virgin. Right? Yeah. Is that faith? Biblically. Nope. No. It's actually not. It's actually not faith. It's just mental assent. Yeah. And I, there, there are things that I profess that I believe that I don't really believe at all. Hmm. Like what? Well, all right. So, great question. So, um, uh, a guy named uh, Michael Novak in a book by uh, John Ortberg. Michael Novak is a philosopher. John Ortberg is a very popular Christian writer who quotes Michael Novak. And Michael Novak speaks of three kinds of convictions or beliefs or the way we carry beliefs that, that are true of all of us. He speaks first of public convictions. And he defines them, at least this is Ortberg's definition of Novak. So this is like third hand. Um, the, the, the first kind of, of convictions we have are public convictions. And, and these are convictions that I want other people to think I believe, even though I may not believe them. Okay? Okay. So politicians do this all the time. Sure. It's public identity, like even yes. social media is yes. a vessel for being able to do the yes. same thing. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, does, this, does this shirt make me look fat? Well, I, you know, no one really asks me that. But like if my sweetie ever would ask me that, what's the answer? Of course not, baby. Um, e even though, I don't know, I, not that she ever is or would be or whatever, but even if she was, I would still say, well, no, of course not. I mean, that I'm declaring something publicly that isn't true. Um, maybe that's a bad example that we should edit out and make sure my wife never hears. Now, um, uh, sometimes you do this as being a part of the faith community. So when I worked at a Christian college uh, as an adjunct professor in the area, there was a uh, part of their doctrinal statement that included something called premillennial dispensationalism, which we talked about several podcasts ago, um, that you have to say that you believe. And, and so whether or not I truly believed it, I had a vested interest in signing a paper saying that I did, right? A lot of people, a lot of people who are the heads of churches or who are intellectually honest in Christian environments, um, realize that there sometimes is a financial interest in towing the party line. So public commitments are things that we have um, all the time. 
And, and would you say that this kind of falls in a, a camp of, of lying a little bit? I mean, is it, it's cause to the sake of some other benefit. I, cause that's, what's hard is like, it's like stating something like you're kind of committing to a claim that I say, I don't really believe, but I need to say, I believe in order for my own benefit for some other public yeah. response. Yeah. I, I don't know. Again, um, when when the Hebrew midwives in Exodus lied about you know killing the firstborn, um, I don't think that was sinning. When when mm-hmm. when people would hide Jews, or when um, people in the north would free slaves, and you would lie. So I'm not I, I I'm not over the camp that lying is always wrong. First of all, but but the second thing I would say is that sometimes it is certainly the lesser of evils. And to keep the peace, we just kind of all know we do this. Uh, and that's not right. And nowhere, nowhere is that biblical faith. Because merely saying, I believe in the virgin birth, doesn't mean I believe in the virgin birth, right? Sure. Merely right. saying, hey, I believe that um, God provides, doesn't mean that I believe that God provides. But all of our singing, all of our... Uh, our, our Christianing are all designed to get us to the point where we're professing mental agreement with the right things. So not only is faith not mental agreement with the right things, it includes it. Faith is not also not um, merely professing the right things. Um, although, you know, how do we, how do we tell people to come to Jesus, pray this prayer? You know, we're we're not checking to see if they believe it, <laughs> right? Sure. <laughs> Just say sure. this prayer, yeah. And and somehow the words are magic, mm. you know. And and so so biblical faith isn't just professing faith either. Sure. Okay. Last last really obvious point. Biblical faith isn't having good theology. Um. So biblical faith isn't being certain. Biblical faith isn't. Uh, having a certain kind of profession and biblical faith isn't having the right answers, having good theology. In fact, theology can turn out to be really, really dangerous. And, um, and we'll talk about that in a second. One of the things that's really, really interesting in the uh, gospel accounts of the life of Jesus is the fact that um, you, you look around and the disciples had no idea who Jesus was, right? And at least initially, um, they, they, they're wrestling with it. Um, you, you've got, uh, Jesus's family, a couple of places. It says that, that they heard he was teaching someplace and they came to take charge of him because they thought he was out of his mind. All right. His, his brother, James didn't believe in this guy. So his family, at least at some point thought he was crazy. Um, the religious leaders in John eight, they have this great line. Uh, aren't we right in saying you're a demon and or aren't, aren't we right in saying you're a Samaritan and demon possessed? And in those days, that was not particularly a compliment. Um, and, and, and so, and even when Jesus says, hey, who do the crowds say that I am? Well, you're John the Baptist, you're Jeremiah, you're one of the prophets come back. I mean, there was a ton of confusion about Jesus's identity. Some of that he created. Uh, but there was one group that always knew, always, always knew. You read the first five chapters of Mark, the gospel of Mark. And whenever Jesus comes across an unclean spirit, mm-hmm. they know who he is. Yeah. So, so they'll say things like, we know who you are. You are the Holy one of God. Um, or, or Mark has this great little throwaway line at the end of one of his chapters where he says, 
And Jesus had to keep shutting up demons because they would shout, you are the son of God, uh, whenever he'd cast them out, right? I mean, so so demons have the best theology in the Gospels, all right? They have all the right answers. They have all the right answers. And yet none of us would say that they have faith. That that the script the kind of faith the scriptures talk about right none of us would say that so there seems to be this branch of Christianity that really loves being right and gets its life sense of life from having the right view of all of these different questions and I get that I'm I'm part of that uh, tribe I I love the world of ideas and I love debate and I love um, you know, showing people that they're wrong and I'm right. I love all of that, but that's not biblical faith. In, in, in fact, it's the most dangerous substitute for biblical faith. Jesus will even critique the Pharisees by saying, listen, you search the scriptures uh, looking for me um, or looking for life anyway and truth. And yet you miss the fact that I'm, I'm the one they're speaking of. The, the Pharisees were so interested in trusting their believings, they didn't trust who the scriptures pointed to, right? And I, I feel like that's true of, of, of some brands of, of Christian practice. Our trust isn't in Jesus. Our trust is in that I believe the right things about Jesus. Yeah. What makes me saved and loved is that I believe the right things about Jesus. That's my security. And so being a heretic or having doubts in all of these systems is a bad thing. Because if it's psychological certainty, then doubting means, is my, is my sledgehammer of faith raising the bar high enough, right, on the, on the scale of measurement? Um, if it's a profession of faith, then, it, it, then that understanding of faith means I'm always professing things even if I don't believe them. Because I, I have an interest in professing things. Now, now Michael Novak distinguishes between public convictions and private convictions. And this, I want to come back to this right here because private convictions are really, really interesting because in the moment, private convictions are things you actually think you believe, but later on realize they weren't true. Yeah. So, so you think you're in love when you're 15 but it takes you until you're 35 to realize what love turns out to be. And you realize, no, I wasn't in love. I was in love with love. Or I was in love with the idea of being in love. Or I was in love with the idea of being loved. But I wasn't in love. So, so even though you mean it in the moment, it's not really true. It's like Peter, when Peter says, I will never disown you. In that moment, Peter is absolutely sure. I will never disown you, Jesus. And then Jesus says, well, just so you know, you'll actually do it three times. And as it turned out, that declaration of Peter was false. Even though Peter in the moment believed it. Makes sense? Yes. Public conviction is something I say to keep the peace or to maintain an image. A private conviction is something I mean at the time. But then, then later I realized, no, 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 I didn't, really, I didn't really buy that. That wasn't really true. It was actually something else that was going on there. Hmm. That's, it's, that's, it's, oh, I, have a hard, I have a hard time with that. What? Because it's it's it seems so subjective because I I think that it's like that works for each individual person right. in the context of what they know in the moment to what then they know later. Right. You know, so it's I mean, I guess I guess if you're calling it something, we're calling it something. If it's private conviction and that's that's what it is, no, it's kinda but, I think it's but but we're not trapped in some infinite 
you know, subjective sense. I mean, because there is such a thing as reality. I, it, philosophically, I'm a realist, which means I do believe there's an external world, and that we can we can we can access it, um, even though all uh, all of our accessing is usually interpreted in some way or another. Um, and so, so I, I do think that even though in the moment I felt, oh, that's love, I came to later realize, no, that wasn't love. Um, does that then call into question all of my present thinkings and feelings? Well, sure it does, as they should be, right? Because last I checked, we're always growing and learning and, and things are yeah, getting larger right, and more right. complex well, it's like, or simpler. It's just ongoing updated private convictions. That's right. Because then in that moment, you're declaring that something was not love. Then that's it. even, it, yeah, that's it. yeah, that's all it is. That's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, um, when when we first found out about our little uh, our little special needs dude Seth, you know, there was a sense we were grieving, and we thought this, we don't want this. Well, that was that was a legitimate expression of how I was feeling, but as it turned out, no, I actually did want it because of of now the reality of him compared with just the idea of him. You go, oh no, no, I would never go back. I'd never trade that. So so my point is. It's not only now the the problem with psychological certainty or believing the right ideas or professing. There are many problems with those understandings of faith. Not least of which is the fact that we're we're not always really sure what we believe because we can pretend like we believe something but not believe it. We can act like we believe something but not believe it. We can profess like we believe something but not believe it. Or we can genuinely believe we believe something but actually not really believe it. Make sense? Yeah. So so when you, you base, base faith on a mental exercising of either profession or psychological certainty or just having right answers, those are all substitutes for the real thing. They turn out to trust in something other than the object of faith, they trust the mechanism by which faith is expressed. So it could be certainty, or it could be uh, my my doctrine is pure and right compared to all those other you know heretics out there. Makes sense so far? Yeah, I'm tracking. Okay, the last convictions, and this gets us towards what faith turns out to be. The last definition that Michael Novak gives: public convictions. Are those things I say for the sake of something else? Uh, private convictions are fickle. Core convictions are the things that I believe which are shown to be true beliefs of me by what I do. In other words, Novak's contention, and it's Jesus's contention too, is that faith is always visible. Meaning you will demonstrate what you believe about something by how you act, always. Not by whether or not you have right answers, not by whether or not you're certain of the answers you have, or not by whether or not you're saying the right things. It's actually how you are acting that, just, that shows what you truly believe. So for instance, I might look at my wife and say, I, I, might, I might be certain that I love her. I am absolutely, I have no doubt in my mind that I love her. And I believe the right things about love and marriage and my wife. I believe all the right things. And I tell her I love her all the time. And yet uh, I embarrass her. I ignore her. I neglect her. Uh, I insult her. I punish her. Uh, I cheat on her. 
would you say that I love her? Of course not. It doesn't matter how certain I was that I did or how much I said I did or, or whether or not I believed the right things about love and marriage. You would just simply look at my actions and say, nope, actions speak louder than words. That's the way we say it. And so you look at the demons in the New Testament who have, believe right things. And James in the book of James says, listen, even demons believe there's one God and they shudder when they believe it. So believing without acting isn't believing at all. That's what he means when he says faith without works is dead. He's not saying works save you. He's saying faith automatically will always present itself in work. Always. Faith is visible. So when Jesus is teaching in a house and a paralytic, uh, four friends bring a paralytic to the house Jesus is teaching in but they can't get in because it's too crowded. So they dig a hole in the roof. They lower the guy in. And then the text says this beautiful thing. When Jesus saw their faith, he saw it. Faith isn't something you hear. Faith isn't something you're thinking. Faith is something you do. This, and this is why all of those other things about faith aren't full and complete. Does faith include true beliefs? Yes. Does faith include the right information? Yes. Does faith include professing the right information? Of course. But but biblical, the biblical idea of faith goes way beyond those things to actually committing oneself in spite of uncertainty. Yeah. See? Right. Yeah, because if you, if you go on the action, even out of like, I'm not certain that this is the right thing. I'm not even sure if I believe this is actually what I'm supposed to do, but something's compelled me, something's convicted me that this is what I need to do because seeing that thing way out there, it, it's, it, that's mustard yeah. seed to me Yeah. because it's kind of like, this is, I have this tiny something in me that's saying go. Yes. So I'm just going to do it. And then I, and retrospectively, yeah. it, if it comes to some successful result, then we're able to look back and be like, wow, wow. what an amazing step of faith. That's right. And like, is that, that's right. I understand that right. I think so. If I'm understanding your understanding of it rightly, then yes. But, but the really, I mean, the huge, huge thing is that um, faith is always expressed in what you do, always. And that's why we can say faith isn't a religious thing. It is a human thing. So I was thinking about this. I was on the freeway uh, a couple of days ago, and I have this big old uh, 2000 uh, Ford Excursion, right? They don't even make them anymore. They're just so big, and they waste gas, and but they're dirt cheap. So, so I have one. <laughs> There's a balance of gas to uh, yes. material ratio. <laughs> and and it has a VCR, by the way, and a cassette player no. and a CD player. It does. It, it has, has a VCR. VCR. Yes. My kids were like, what is that? <laughs> um, and so I listened to all my 80s tapes. I have all these oh, like, good. you know, when I was first listening to music and stuff. So anyway, um, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm cruising. It's got 145,000 miles on it. It's obviously 16 years old. And it's, a, it's, it's, you know, it's getting up there. It's like dog years, right? It's like it's the 16-year-old car is getting up there. And I'm, and I'm cruising. I'm probably 85 on an exit ramp. And, I, and I've, got, I've got a semi next to me. And I'm sitting there thinking, how, how, many, how many hundreds of thousands of things have to go right for me to survive the next five seconds, you know, in terms of gas and pistons and carburetors and, 
and tires and brakes and this other truck and how good the driver is on the other driver and whether my, I mean, think about none. I am certain of nothing in that moment. I'm certain of nothing. Even in your brain. How do you know that your brain is going to do the right thing in the next five seconds? I am, I am certain of none of it. And yet I press the pedal. I get into the car. I start the car. I drive, I turn. And, And so I can talk about a car in theory. I can tell people I believe in driving. I can even have the the right understanding of how driving works. But I'm until I get into the car, I don't have faith. And 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 so faith atheists live by this. Medical doctors live by this. Biochemists live by this. This isn't a religious thing. This is a human thing because none of us ever operate out of certainty. None of us. Think about marriage. I mean, you talk about, man, what a commitment that is based on the little you know about the other person. That's why so many people don't do it because you don't know. And, and so and so the goal isn't to get certainty. The goal is that, so that you would know enough to know that anything else that you don't know, you're willing to find out about later and, and be committed to the person in spite of whatever it is that's coming. Now, this turns out to be one of the most beautiful pictures of what faith is. Now, back it up just a second. Faith then, uh, biblically, first, and by first, I just mean this is the first point, like not like more important. Faith is, um, it's honesty within covenantal relationship. Now that, hmm... That's a whole bunch. Now let's do this. Let's do this one first. Faith is action based on trust. That's what that's what faith means. So to believe, when it says, uh, "Whoever believes in me shall not perish and have eternal life," believing there includes mental agreement, and it includes profession, uh, and it includes uh, understanding right things. But none of those things are faith. Faith is when you commit yourself even in the midst of uncertainty to a course of action or better to a person. And marriage is the example beyond all of examples. Faith is an action word like love is. Love is an action word in the Bible. Faith is an action word. Faith is not, faith is, is, is something you have, but it's more something you do. And so you can tell I have faith uh, in my car when I drive it. I have faith in a chair when I sit in it. I have faith in a person when I'm committed to them. Um, and, and faith in the Bible, believing in Jesus, means I have demonstrated allegiance to this Jesus, even if I still have questions, even if I'm not quite sure how it's going to turn out, even if I'm still wrestling with, wow, does this, does this, is this actually true? So, and, and marriage, again, is, is the great example of that. So, so first, faith is uh, built on action, um, and it's based on trust. So I've come to the conclusion, for me personally, um, my, my faith is not built on the Bible. My faith is not built on the church. My faith is not built on Christianity. My faith is built on the compelling person of this Jesus. And I've learned to trust him. Now, I can say I trust him. So people will say, yeah, yeah, I trust Jesus, but then they'll overwork and be greedy. Do they trust Jesus? No. I believe God is good, but then I'll just sleep around and disobey whatever I think God's commands are. Well, do you believe God is good at that point? No. So it doesn't matter what you're saying or what you're singing. Your life will always show you what you really believe. So you always have to look at what 
your how you're living to determine what you believe. If if I want to evaluate my marriage, I don't look at my feelings and I don't look at what I've said. I look at what I've done. Same thing is true with faith. The second is this making sense, Andy? Yeah, no that 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 this first is a one's lot. really is actually really clear. This is a lot. Maybe it's not really clear for you guys. If it's not, let us know. Let us know, and we'll spend more time on it. Yeah. But I I think a lot of people are damaged by either feeling like they have to shove all their doubts and their questions um, somewhere else um, because, you know, good Christian people don't have them. Or they've, they've, they've believed that, well, believing in Jesus means I have to believe in a six-day creation and I have to believe literal Noah and the ark and I have to believe Adam and Eve are real people and I have to believe that Samson was real and, and Jonah was swallowed by a whale and it's an all or nothing thing. And we would say, no, no, that's not, I don't think that's true. My faith is built on Jesus. It's not built on whether or not Adam and Eve are real people, right? I believe Adam and Eve were people because Jesus refers to them as such, but I don't believe, I, I, didn't, I didn't read the Bible and go, oh, this seems true. I read the Gospels and went, now this guy, this guy seems pretty epic. All right, what's your question? My question is then, in regards to trust, so yeah. if it's faith is something that's based on trust. Yep. What was the statement? Faith is action faith, based on trust. Faith is action based on trust. Yep. How do we get trust? How do we define how we get good and right trusting? Because like a lot of people say, you got to earn my trust. Yeah. Or you have to... Because someone, do we trust someone who's saying all the right things in their own certainty, or right. do we trust based on what we ana- analyze as faith? Like, let's say in a Christian community, yeah. How do I know if I show up to someone's house, they've invited me over, there, you know, there's all these people mingling around the room. How do how do I determine how to trust these people? Like by what fruit their life bears? Action, not words. Yeah, is that, is that what we're saying? Yeah, well, that's exactly what Jesus says. There will be yeah. there will be like false prophets and wolves in sheep's clothing, but you will know them by their fruit. Good trees bear good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. Now, you may not know. You may have to watch for a long time. But the way we dole out trust, see, we dole out trust because we've been hurt by its abuse. The kind of trust um, that, that Jesus is asking of us is similar and different. It's similar in the sense that it's relational, but it's different in the sense that um, it's the way that I ask my kid to trust me when my kid can't understand something. And I just go, you know what? You've seen how I've loved you. You've seen how I've treated you. I can't explain this to you. There's no way you can get this. You have to trust me. And so so I, I think with Jesus, what where, where I've gotten to, and I didn't start there. I started in trusting the right answers and the arguments and the theology and whatever. Right. But the more I've walked with him, the more I go, oh my goodness, even the stuff that I thought was horrible, he has redeemed in ways that I just go, oh my goodness. Now, I still doubt. We'll get to that in a second. But um, but I trust Jesus. So there are times when Jesus goes, hey, trust me. Hey, just trust me on this. Trust me on this. I go, okay, okay, okay. But it's taken a while to get there. And and part of that is is immersing myself in the in the accounts of his life. Part of that is learning to be honest with him and um, about what I'm really thinking and feeling and not pretending. 
and learning to be loved in my badness, my darkness. But we'll get to that. We'll come back to that in a second if I don't if I don't hit it in this next section. Yeah. No, that's helpful. I, I'm just I'm imagining a lot of scenarios where I think people sit in a church and they're they're hearing a pastor come up and get on stage every every week and they're like, How can I trust this guy? Yeah. You know, they're looking oh. and it's kind of like they're looking for well, like don't. I want to have faith don't. that what he's saying is 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 something I should do. And so it's kind of I think that's a commonplace way of people thinking is Yeah. You know, because so much of Sunday teaching is like, this is the guy who's telling me how to oh, interpret scripture. So I got to trust it because he's the guy on stage. People really still think that. Really? They got to. Well, they, okay. they got to. Because I, I think, okay. I mean, maybe you and I don't. I think you and I, I mean, what you're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm aligning with. I think I'm just, I think what I see is people who, they show up at church and yeah, they know about Jesus. They hear about Jesus. But right. I think there's this threshold that they have to cross over. Of, but do I trust Jesus or do I trust the guy on stage? Right. It, and I, and it's like, it's there's a turning point, which it's like, I need to use this as supplement. But ultimately, I got to stay focused on this thing over here. And yeah. I think I'm not always sure sometimes when I talk to other folks, Christians, that that transition's always been made. Sure. Because so much of the rhetoric is like, oh, you got to hear this speaker. You got to listen to this pastor. You got to listen to this teacher. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But I want to hear more about Jesus. And right. so it's kind of, and I don't hear you talking about Jesus. I hear you talking about this celebrity pastor, this guy over here, this guy over here, and this guy over here. Yeah. And that's where I, I just, I feel like I'm looking at it largely and socially and being like, well, yeah, people people often mistake following someone who follows Christ for following Christ, right? So, so, and as teachers, we all have a vested interest in, you know, people thinking that we follow Jesus more uniquely than other people do, um, and that is that is toxic and awful, you know, and and that so so part of why podcasts are interesting to me is because these aren't reasoned out arguments. These are kind of conversational, yeah. Hey, I'm throwing this out here. And, um, and they're supposed to be tested and weighed. And so, so no, should you trust religious authority figures? Um, not until you've seen their lives up close, not until you see how they handle money and not, not till you see, how they do they really love people or is it just a show does their life off stage match their life on stage i mean that's that's why so many christian kids pastors kids are jacked up because they see this dichotomy between what what their parents doing on stage and who their parent turns out to be right yeah. and so so i don't know i mean i i think that the the whole christian machine feeds these unbiblical ideas of faith because I'm looking at someone who never doubts, and I'm watching someone who says all the yeah. right things, and I'm and he and, and this person tell me he or she is telling me, man, that this is the right answer to all these big questions, and the other people that have other answers on all these big questions are wrong. So so the whole thing turns out to be this big old house of cards, and uh, and I just think Jesus has a better a better way, and and so yes, is it communal? Yes, I grow in faith with people. Yes. Um, and should you take my word for stuff? No, no. I think Jesus would much rather have you come to your own conclusions than to just swallow something hook, line, and sinker. Now, thanks for that digression, Andy. You're welcome. The second thing faith is, according to my sweet little Mikey writing style, is that, is that faith is, is honesty within a covenantal relationship. Ooh. And, and, um, uh, Boyd, this the book, The Benefit of the Doubt, really gets into this and d- does a much better job with it than th- what I'm going to do. But most of us, most of us are familiar with contracts. 
And contracts are put in place because two people don't trust each other. <laughs> how am I, how do I know that you're not ripping me off? Uh, well, we've got this contract. You know, you're going to give me an estimate. I'll approve the estimate. Then I'm going to hold you to the estimate. You cannot adjust the estimate without my approval. That's a contract, right? And um, in legal terms, there are loopholes and stipulations and binding punishments and all those sorts of things. So, so most of us are familiar with contracts. Covenant is a weird Bible word because covenant was not contractual. It was a pledge of two people to each other two parties to each other. And there were consequences if they broke their pledge. But the, the pledge was never the point. It was the lives that were pledged that were the point. Whereas today, the, contra the contract's the point, right? The loopholes are the point. Now, most of us see our relationship with Jesus in legal terms. God is a judge. He is holy. I am sinful and I'm guilty. Jesus is my advocate and he offers to take the place of my punishment. Therefore, I am acquitted and I get to go to heaven when I die. And, and certainly Paul uses some of this imagery, no question, but he also uses relational imagery like being adopted. He uses slave imagery like being redeemed. I mean, there are other images he uses. This isn't the only one, but it's the one that's certainly the most popular. And there is a massive problem with it. Namely, it feeds into our contractual uh, orientation rather than a covenantal orientation. And so what we do is we do things like this. Can I lose my salvation? Now, anyone who is in a deep interactive relationship with God doesn't ask that question because salvation isn't a something where you cross a line and then can go back over a line. It's a pledge of life together. It's not like, it's not like um, my wife and I, where I wake up one day feeling distant and go, babe, are we still married? No, no. There are ebbs and flows in the marriage. Uh, but that, that's okay because it's a covenant, not a contract. If it were a contract, you should be fearful, right? I contractually am obligated to love you for better and worse and richer and poorer. And if I don't, here's what happens. Well, then there's fear and pretending now built into the whole system. Whereas if it's a covenant and we've pledged each to each other, regardless of what else happens, none of which we can be certain about, then you actually have the freedom to be truly honest within, within the covenantal framework to say, man, I really feel distant or I feel like our marriage needs work or none of that, none of that is welcome if it were purely a contract, right? And, and, and unfortunately these days, marriage is being seen more and more contractually because, hey, we agree to make each other happy and fulfill each other. And the minute that doesn't happen, we're out. But, but the old covenant concept comes from how God relates to us. And it's a pledge of fidelity based upon God's character, not based upon uh, a, a contract. And so it's a pledge of two characters that you can trust my character to fulfill these obligations, not the punishments built in something. Now, if that's true, and that's what faith turns out to be, then faith can be really honest. And that's where I see all of these people in the covenant, all of these covenant people saying, God, where are you? Where are you? Why, why are you so far away? Why don't you listen? Um, how, how, come, how come this happened? I thought, you know, I really thought you were going to come to the rescue here and, and you didn't. See, that's a different thing than how certain am I about whether or not I believe this. Yeah. See, when, I, when I'm expressing those things to God, it's actually an expression of faith that I'm taking those things to God. Um, whereas, whereas in the legal contractual, I've got to be certain approach, those things are, man, that could knock me out of like the being saved range or, 
you know, man, if, if I don't, if I don't believe in a literal six day creation, I'm, I'm going to be called a heretic or if I don't believe in the rapture. Right? Uh, right. All of a sudden I'm now a heretic yeah. and you're just like, wow, if that's the goal of Christianity is to just believe the right things, then it is not surprising. There is no power, no transformation and no genuine witness to Jesus of Nazareth in the American church. If that's all this is, even demons have that stuff. So, so I'm more interested in learning to trust God's character, even in the midst of uncertainty, not looking for loopholes. So, hey, 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 how far can I go before right. it's sin? That's a legal question. Yeah. yeah. Right? Right. Is divorce, listen, is divorce always wrong? Or what, what if he cheats on me? Or what if he looks at porn? Or those are all legal questions. And, and, and it's not to say that they're illegitimate. It's to say that they're starting from the wrong place, right? Because a pledge of fidelity to God um, has, has much less to do with what I can get away with and much more to do with, all right, am I learning and growing to actually trust this God I'm following and this Jesus I'm following? And am I being faithful in the way that I actually live, right? And so sometimes what God will ask you to do is actually to live something that you don't quite believe yet, because after you live it, you'll come to believe it. So Jesus will say, if you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's not knowing the truth that sets you free. It's doing the truth before you even know it's truth that sets you free. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so in marriage, I mean, marriage is a great, if I'm focused solely on the negatives of my mate, of which there are not many. None. None, not none, many. Right? I mean, at least in mine. Let me, yeah, let me pray about that. None. <laughs> Um, there was a public, there was a public conviction. Um, if I were to focus solely on those, and I can feed all kinds of resentment or disappointment or whatever. Or if I'm focused on the gift uh, that she is and how awesome she is and how much she's overcome and what a blessing she's been and how good her character is, right? It's two, it's two totally different ways of doing marriage. One that is focused on um, all the things I'm I'm giving up, and one that's focused on all the things I'm receiving, right? And 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 so I think with with God, the the legal thing is always okay. What's the minimum I've got to get to in order to receive? And if we ran marriage that way, and some people do, you'd have an awful marriage. Covenant is a much different concept altogether. So, where does doubt come in? Doubt to me. The, in the Bible, the opposite of doubt, um, or excuse me, the opposite of faith isn't doubt, it's sight. So Paul says, walk by faith and not by sight. Sight is trusting in only what we can see. Faith, according to the author of Hebrews, is trusting in what we cannot see. Now, some people think, well, that's just a leap into the absurd. No, no, no. That's not true. We trust in what we cannot see all the time. I trust in love. I trust in friendship trust in beauty. I trust in mechanical engineering that I cannot see or understand. I, I trust in chemistry. Right now, you could argue, yeah, you can see some of those things if you knew how, and that's true. But I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing them in the moment that I'm actually committing to them and acting them. And so, so for me, um, people live, the, the the most narrow and dehumanizing way to live is only by sight. I, I believe in only what I can taste, touch, smell, and see and feel. Yeah. 
And then you go, no, 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 no. Then that cuts off so much of human life. For me, the, the doubt part is the opening up, up of myself before God in covenant relationship to things I don't like about God, don't understand about God, don't like about me, don't understand about me, or whatever. And it's actually a better and more authentic expression of relationship with God than just pretending that I had it all together was to begin with. Dang. How long is that? <laughs> 52 minutes. Okay, we're done. Holy cow. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope something along, something said in 52 minutes was helpful. Yeah. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Subversive Kingdom, VoxOC. D- engage with all of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything you want to add, Andy? Uh no, I'm going to go see Zoolander 3 tonight. Is it 3 or 2? Two? 2. Yeah. Dang. Yep. Well. <laughs> hey, guess what? I'm going to go see Zoolander 3 tonight. Yeah. Guys. Yes. I'm uh, so far in the future. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will I will say, I will say it does look it does look funny. It does. Whoop. It does. Um all right, so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. And then I forgot the line about being generous to you and gracious to you. But you know what I mean. So um, bless you. Thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Uh, Ask if anything was hard to understand. uh, Would love to know that so that uh, Andy can correct me later. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you guys can have a little fun if you're on Twitter and uh, you're looking to hit him up. Maybe just do hashtag AskMikeErie in your tweet and let's see those uh, fall into place. We have a hashtag now. Well, let's have a hashtag. All right. Hashtag Ask Mike Erie. I'm, de- oh, I'm declaring it today on episode 16 as we go into the future. As you have questions, hashtag Ask Mike Erie. Oh, boy. All right. Well, until next time, God bless you. Thanks for listening to Vox, the Mike Erie podcast. Be sure to like Mike on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official Mike Erie. Follow Mike on Twitter and Periscope at Mike Erie for live interaction and ongoing Q&A. Don't forget to visit SubversiveKingdom.com for further engagement and information about Mike.